I got some bad news for you guys. Oh, there's only two and a half million Bitcoin left ever. And that's it. Well, at least uh -huh. you're mining them. But that's actually good news because Bitcoin has set a record by closing over $10,000 for more than two months in a row. New blockchain legislation has passed the U.S. House of Representatives and now heads to the Senate. Jack Dorsey says Bitcoin and blockchain will shape Twitter's future and DeFi so hot right now. Next up to bat is the WAX blockchain. Also, in a special crypto spotlight, we're going to take a closer look at Sagar, a stablecoin that's doing things a little differently. And this is the moment that you realize that you didn't finish the teaser. So this is the episode number 449, Bad News of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, Who's bad? That's actually true, Mr. Travis Wright. I got to the end of reading that. And I'm like, oh, I don't have the standard final snarky line for the introduction to the podcast. So I'll just make one up. Well, you did a good job. You made it up on the fly. It's pretty solid. I, I make them all up right before we usually record anyway. That's good. I liked it. I, you know what? I didn't even I wasn't reading it along with you. I was opening up all the news articles. Everybody read along with me and read along with the news articles here on the Bad Crypto Podcast. This is our bad news episode. Not that the news is bad. We are crypto good. Joel and Travis, bad. bad. That you're here and you could follow along if you want to read in the show notes at badco.in forward slash 449. And we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Coin Analyst. They're an AI-based big data info and analysis platform for all cryptos and STOs and ICOs worldwide. They enable any trader in the crypto asset sector and other industries to access a dashboard. Who doesn't like dashboards? What's the dashboard do? It monitors and analyzes sentiment, trends, patterns, weak signals all in real time from the crypto and security token and ICO markets. You guys can get a free 30-day trial of Coin Analyst. The sentiment tool is very cool and you will get lots of insights for it. Go to badco.in forward slash coin analyst. 30 days. It's free. Go check it out. Badco.in forward slash coin analyst. Get your sentiment on. So sentimental. All this. I'm feeling sentimental about the news. Should we go ahead and jump in? You know, I was going to say something completely witty and amazing and brilliant, but I forgot. So let's just go to the news. It's like it kind of came from where my teaser was. That's good. I'm, I think I, there's, there's like a vortex of thoughts in this. You podcast. know what? Maybe it'll be on the other side of this music that you're about to hear right now. I, I still don't remember what I was going to say. It was something relevant and amazing, but it's gone. Well, the music was really short. It's not like it gave you a lot of time to think. It might come back to me, and it might not, but that's okay. It wasn't meant to be. All right. So we are recording this on Wednesday, September 30th at 3.15 p.m. Mountain Time. By the time you hear this, who knows? The crypto markets could be completely different. But if we jump over to our favorite little uh, amphibian here at CoinGecko, Dot com to check the markets we see a crypto market cap of 348 billion with bitcoin at 10719 a further glance down the top 10 shows a lot of green 
today. Ethereum, 357, Tether a dollar even, XRP, 24 cents, Binance Coin, $29. What a great week for Binance, up 20%. Bitcoin Cash, 226, Polkadot, $4.37, Chainlink, 979, Bitcoin SV, 174. And wrapping out the top 10 is Cardano at just under 10 cents. Mm. Hey, I remembered. So somebody had mentioned to me that one of their favorite things to do with, with bad news is to have the bad news podcast on, listening to it, and then going to the website and then and then popping up the news articles and going through them while we're reading through them and uh, going through them and talking about them for you guys. And then they say that's just interesting to them and they gain a lot more because it helps them feel like they're doing their own research and go down their own rabbit hole. So if you want, you know, you can follow along uh, badco.in forward slash 449. And guess what? You can pause the podcast at any time and continue reading the article and dive down the rabbit hole and turn it back on. Pretty cool. And if you wanted to, you could even speak as you're reading, you know, and pretend you're doing the podcast with us. Just talk over us. We're, we do it to each other all the time. <laughs> That's a good idea. You could just have your own podcast. You could call it the Bad Blockchain Show. Who are the big winners and losers for the week, Mr. Travis, right? Well, there's one called Nest. Nest was up 80% this week. Uh, N-E-S-T. Arweave, A-R, is up 66%. Our good friend Celsius up once again, 34% on the week. We've been talking about him, folks. And uh, I sold at 11 cents. So who's the smart guy? It's me, uh, Zilliqua. Uh, up 33%, ZIL, Swipe, SXP, 32% up. Theta, well, we talk about them pretty much all the time. They're up to 72 cents. They're up 26%. Cosmos is up. Cardano is almost at 10 cents. OMG, uh, yeah, they are almost at four bucks. Binance Coin popped up 21% this week, all the way up to $29, Joel. Yeah, you know, swipe um, a few weeks ago was a lot lower. It was a steal. Now you can swipe it. Oh, man, that's a good deal. And, you know, for those of you that are tracking along with one of our other podcasts, The Nifty Show, we use the Theta Network, a live streaming, decentralized live streaming video every week at Friday, at Friday, no, on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific. We go live on Theta TV at nifty.show forward slash Theta. And more and more of you are starting to pay attention to the NFT space. Um, and you're going to see over the next few months, uh, it's there's going to be a lot of talk about NFTs. It's going to start popping up all over the place. You're going to see brands talking about it. And, and we told you. Right. So you heard it here. Maybe not first, maybe second, maybe third. Maybe you told us you might have taught us. I don't know. But check out the Nifty show, nifty.show forward slash Theta. And that's one of the reasons we're using the Theta network. Yeah, they're, they're great. Actually, there's a bit there's a, a meme from Peter McCormick this week talking about NFTs saying, I just took a screenshot of your NFT. So now I own your NFT. Is he trolling or does he believe that? No, because... I, I, I asked him and I tried to get some clarification. I think he just hates all things, not Bitcoin. I, I just, I don't understand that. I, I can go to the Louvre and I can see the Mona Lisa and I have, and I can take a picture and I have, but it certainly doesn't mean I own the Mona Lisa. I mean, if I take a really good picture, if I can get close, there's not a lot of people there and I frame it right, I can get a really good picture of the Mona Lisa. Um, but I'm never going to own the Mona Lisa. It's there on the wall. In the well, I'm going to do a heist. 
Ooh. Yeah. I'm not going to do that either. Cause I'm not going to do that either. Not gonna, I'm and they'll be like, hey, I got this Mona Lisa to sell. And they'll be <laughs> like, oh, dude, it's that. missing from the Louvre. How do you have it? I'll be like, I'm, don't ask. Don't tell. I'm allergic to prison. I break out in tears and <laughs> not, a, not a fan of that. Uh, here's some big news for the week, Mr. Travis Wright, from our friends at Cointelegraph.com, the most widely read crypto publication in the world. I'm waiting for, I'm going to keep saying it like that. I'm hoping that Aaron one day will go, oh, how do I add an echo to that? Because our producer now edits the show in, in the, the world. world. Let's see if she can figure it out. There are only two and a half million Bitcoin in the world left to mine. There's 21 million ever in supply that has never changed. It will never change. And we are now past the 18 and a half million Bitcoin mined mark. There's fewer than two and a half million left. I think since we've been doing this show, I think we've, we've, they've mined, I think they've mined what about, I, I seem to recall whenever the fork happened with Bitcoin cash, that it was somewhere around 15 and a half million, maybe 16 million. So I think we've seen a couple million, maybe 2.5 million or so Bitcoin mined since we started the show in July of 2017, somewhere around there. I seem to recall somewhere around 15 plus million. I might be wrong. You might be wrong. You might be right. I, I might be crazy. The eyes are there. Oh, I just might be a lunatic you're looking for. Yeah, it's a cool chart here um, that actually Bitcoin put together. If you go to the story on Cointelegraph, again, you can find this at badco.in forward slash 449. And hopefully you are now podcasting live with us. And it shows you where we are um, in the the having. You know, we're, we're post-having here. Let's see, um, June, July, August, September, uh, almost October. So we're a little over, we're almost five months post-having. Yeah. And you can kind of see... You know, when the next halvings are coming and how many will be in supply and it really starts slowing down. Yeah. True. And if you look at it, we can see here if we go midway in between 2017 and 2018 in the little chart there, it would look like it would probably be about, yeah, about 16, probably about 16, four, 16, five, whenever we started the show. So there's been about 2 million Bitcoin mines since we started the show. Actually, I'm looking over here on the, uh, in the, um, area on the side the sidebar uh, there's a quick guide to non-fungible tokens here okay. that uh, coin telegraph has put out that i don't believe that i've seen yet so it's in their magazine oh very nice uh cointelegraph.com forward slash magazine forward slash non-fungible dash tokens and it's a whole piece about non-fungible and fungible tokens and what it means and i've not seen this this is a beautifully designed piece wow i'd like a sidebar please you can have two if you like. Have a sidebar on the left, sidebar on the right. Stand up, sit down. Don't fight, though. I'm going to love a neck fighter. So also good news in Bitcoin. We have set a record. Apparently, uh, as of the date this article is September 29th, and today is the 30th, and we're still there, we are now 64 consecutive days that bitcoin has closed over ten thousand. that is a streak that is a first it has never happened before last time we hit the super highs you know it came back under and, and crashed down long before those 60 days were over so uh, this is a, a new record i guess the old one was set during the mm. the previous bull run uh december 2017 
Yeah. Now we had that awesome bull run and uh, that thing went all the way up to $20. I think it was at nearly $20,000 for like four seconds or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's not been over $20,000 very long at all. And I wish it would go back up there because I miss that. Uh, it'd be like Christmas time. Those were happy times. I say let's extend the streak. It's good news though. I mean, that bodes pretty good for that's bull the run, right? It's that bullish. Run? It's bullish. Anyway, uh, here's some more bullish news. New bills from the Energy and Commerce Committee in the United States are making their way to the Senate following votes in the House of Representative. The Digital Taxonomy Act provides definitions for the terms digital asset and digital unit and would task the Federal Trade Commission with preventing unfair trade practices in both. Hmm. And uh, they also have the Blockchain Innovation Act, the BIA. That's going to require the FTC to put together a report on blockchain's role in consumer protection. Like, they're, I think they're trying to protect us, some of it in some cases, a little too much because now there's all these projects and stuff that are going on sale. But Americans, like if we can't KYC AML into those projects because we're in America. And uh, so, like, we're the home of the free, except when it comes to investing in crypto projects that we want to, because mama said so. I don't remember ever signing up to say to anybody, hey, protect me from me making bad decisions, right? Your parents are supposed to help teach you how to not do that. But I certainly didn't say, hey, uh, faceless bureaucracy, please come protect me. Uh, do yeah. I want that, do I want the, you know, to be protected from criminals that are, you know, going to come to my place and cause me harm or take my stuff? Of course. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't need to be protected against my own adult decisions. You know, this is something that I think is a very, very big problem in America because, you know, we talk about how the rich get richer and the 1%. Well, it's like this. If you want to invest in some of these projects, you got to be rich already before you can invest in. You got to be an, an accredited investor. You got to be worth a million. You got to be a millionaire in America to be able to invest in projects because the nanny state doesn't want us to. And guess what? We're getting, you know, if somebody's, if like a grandma or like, like, like somebody who's like in high school wants to invest, oh man, oh, here's a really great project that's popping up that I think is interesting. Like, for example, Flow is a blockchain that, that Dapper Labs uses. And uh, it's going to be a lot of NFTs are going to be built on that thing. That thing's going to be popping out at 10 cents. They got a sale going on right now. But if you're not, if you're in America, you can't participate in it. So like, why don't they keep fat people out of the ice cream aisle? Because, hey, you, you're not an accredited eater. So you don't need to be at the fat food aisle. Get your fat ass out of here. You are not part of the 1% who gets to eat this ice cream. Well, and people drown. You can't go swim in the ocean or the sea or the swimming pool because you're not, you know, an accredited swimmer. Uh, some people are clumsy. You know, they they trip and fall a lot. You're not an accredited walker. Uh, you, you might burn yourself microwaving yeah. bacon. You're not, you're not an accredited microwaver. <laughs> right? I mean, we're they, not accredited podcasters. We're definitely not accredited podcasters. But by the way, Mr. Travis, right? Happy International Podcast Day. Hey, thank you. Same to you. Yeah. I mean, we have this is episode 449 of this show. Add on to that the 70 or 80, you know, additional bad crypto episodes, and then the 18 nifty shows and the bad boys of tech and and uh EOS Voice News. And we we've done a lot of talking. I'd say you and I, we've done collectively probably around 550, 600 podcasts together. 
I think it's probably close to around 600 that we've done together. And then I, I know I was doing all the math and it's like all the ones I did with Technorati, all the ones I did with VentureBeat with Stuart Rogers, and then the ones I did with Cultivate Greatness. I've done, <clears throat> I think, well, well over a thousand total podcast episodes so far. And this, we're right around that number, I believe. So it's pretty crazy. Think about it. It's a lot of words. A lot, a lot of words. Uh, let's focus back more on words about the news rather than ourselves. You know, sure. that's that's People enough. They don't about, hear about us. They don't hear about, 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 guys about us. Let's talk about you. What do you think of us? Use. <laughs> One thing I think is bad is uh, so KuCoin. They got hacked, bro. Did you hear that? I did. I did hear it. There was one hundred thirty million dollars. No, no, no. two hundred and eighty million. Oh, it was two hundred. Oh, that's what was. That's what they were able to recover back was one hundred and thirty million. Damn. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's a KuCoin breach. A lot of people are saying, "Hey, part of the problem here is because you're so centralized." Um, So developers are coming down on KuCoin for that. They're trying to recover stuff. I'm not exactly sure how it happened. I'm grateful that I don't keep my stuff on exchanges. I keep them in, you know, cold storage, off location, locked away. I don't have my keys handy because I, I'm, I'm hodling for the long haul. You know, oh, the long haul, the long haul. <laughs> yeah. A lot you know of- what? I'm not so. You know, this didn't impact me either because all the coins that I had on KuCoin. They already lost all their value. So like my dragon chain, it's all right. I mean, it's already gone. That's not worth anything anymore. Try some more, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) But here's what's happening because uh, the the centralization gripe is because they're rolling back stuff, Mm. right? You know, part of blockchain, uh, the beauty of decentralization is that once it's done, it's done. So this um, exchange can invalidate stolen tokens then jameson lop also says they can invalidate your tokens censorship resistance for all or censorship resistance for no one Mm. that that is that is a big you know thought right there that's that those big rollbacks you know that's that's what happened with the very first big rollback was with the uh the dow the dao and with the Ethereum thing and that whole deal that happened back in 2000, I believe 16 or so, uh, that's what created Ethereum Classic was the DAO hack. And this is something very similar. And wow. <clears throat> I mean, from KuCoin's perspective, they're like, dude, that's $280 million. We need to back up our chain and fix that. And so that makes sense to them. It makes sense to everybody who would have lost their cryptos on there. Um, but it does set a very dangerous precedent. The hackers are pissed. They're like, oh, dude, are you all this money and now you're taking it back from me? <laughs> now I got this shitty KuCoin classic. <laughs> uh, you know what? I have mixed emotions about Mr. Jack Dorsey, right? Yeah. You know, on, on some fronts, he is all in on Bitcoin and crypto. <clears throat> and on others, he's Twitter. And Twitter is just a dumpster fire, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it it brings out the worst of people in social media. I used to love it so much. God, I, I Twitter was my favorite it. thing. Come on. You wrote come the book on it. Come on, man. Come on. 
come on, man, I wrote the book on it. But he recently spoke at the virtual Oslo Freedom Forum 2020. And he said a lot of our value in the past was around content hosting. So we would host the tweets, the images and the videos. He went on to say, um, the block, blockchain and Bitcoin point to a future and point to a world where content exists forever, where it's permanent, where it doesn't go away, where it exists forever on every single node that's connected to it. And so he wants to build Twitter as an open protocol, which is really interesting because they used to be open, right? And right. then it became the walled garden. God, but- it was such a, it was great. They, you, like, you'd have all these developers who are building on top of it, mm-hmm. all these amazing tools. And then they they wanted to take you know what I think of what it was was um, whenever they had the new CEO like the old school dude um, who was the CEO before Dorsey I don't remember old school dude we'll just call him OS well, no, you had Ev and then the, then they then they wanted to hire like a uh, some dude to to come in and, and be the CEO so it was the dude who was the CEO between Ev and Jack. And uh, he he's the one I think that killed the open developer platform. He killed all of that innovation. And then I think that hurt Twitter's value as a whole. If they would have kept it open and let developers use it and do the tools and all that, then it would be so ingrained in everybody's life. Right now, it's only ingrained in a very few select people who use Twitter a lot. They're very loud. They're very vocal. And a lot of them have a lot of hate. Twitter's just mostly hate now. But my question to you, Mr. Joel Com, is if he's talking about content being permanent, like what's going to happen? They like to ban people with opinions they don't like. Oh. So what happens then? That's a good question. We'll find out. They have hired a team, Blue Sky, that's designated with developing a standard. And the goal is to hire five people that will build a protocol enabling Twitter's transition to a decentralized platform. So I don't know what well, this is what they're saying. We'll see what that actually looks like by the yeah. time they start rolling out product. There was a couple of attempts to try to do that. But whenever it comes to the main company, like, is that I wonder if this is going to, you know, sort of uh, devour some of Twitter's market share. If they're going to are they going to make it an open protocol where it's its own thing that other people then can take over and have their own little communities I'm going to release it to the wild. Does that destroy their ad revenue? Is he doing this altruistically? I don't see tech people doing things altruistically too often, Um, but he's trying to make his platform decentralized. That would be something really good for freedom, whereas what they're doing right now by banning conservatives and opinions they don't like, that's not good for freedom. Of course, there's only somebody who is opposed to free speech and and ideas um, that are opposed to theirs. And those are the people to be scared of. Right. If you are trying to censor ideas, ideas don't hurt. Actions can hurt. But somebody just putting on an idea gives you a chance to put it on the table and and analyze it and and uh, put it to the test and determine is this a good idea or a bad idea. But just having your feelings, uh, you know, hurt in saying, I don't want to hear that because it hurts my feelings. That's a bad idea. That means you need to grow up a little bit. You know, I think that's a, it's a, it's a, a symptom of the generations and how little they were disciplined and told no, they couldn't do things. I think parents were a little too soft. And now, oh, what do you mean you can't have my way? <laughs> like, wow, come on, relax, Jesus. <laughs> Right? Am I am I off base here? I mean, you're I not off base at all. You're not off base, but you are off topic. So we're going to move on to the ah, next story that's here. True. That um, is true. But we start talking about Twitter, then we're all like, "Yeah, we both got triggered." So there was a survey that was done by the Royal United Services Institute and the Association of Certified 
anti-money laundering specialists along with YouGov, and they wanted to survey authorities' perceptions of the crypto industry. And their findings were basically that the mainstream doesn't get it, which is not a surprise. I mean, if the mainstream isn't fully using it yet, how are they going to get it? And so it, a lot of this really centers around education. Um, it, it depends upon you guys sharing this show with them. That's the only way they're going to learn. You have to share the show. Yeah. And so it says this is that while crypto use by criminals only accounts for about 1% of all transactions, it remains an attractive venue for those who want to avoid traditional financial system. And the report also says, Respondents also indicate that despite current skepticism over the role of cryptocurrency in promoting financial inclusion, there might be more space for it in the future. Respondents predict both an increased role for cryptocurrency in day-to-day -day payments in the future, as well as a decrease in cryptocurrency use for illicit activities, especially as compared with how it is viewed now. So that's, that's, that's a total. So here's people saying... All right, we don't really quite get it yet. It's criminals using it. However, we can see a use to it in the future. And actually, here in the present, Mr. Joel Com, all another news article uh, on uh, Coin Telegraph: 100 million people worldwide now use crypto-based assets. This study from Cambridge says what? That's a lot of accounts. I mean, not in terms of the fact that there's seven and a half billion people in the world, but you know, I think that they're probably counting. Um, some here that are dust, you know, size, but they're, I guess they're considering 40% of them active. Mm, does that include all the shit coins? I, I guess this includes crypto based shit coins included any kind of crypto. So if you're a bad coin miner, I guess that would be included in that. You know, my question is, is that here's the thing is like, I might have an, a, a couple of Ethereum addresses, you know, who knows how many Bitcoin addresses <clears throat> that have been generated by my ledger or the Trezor or whatever, you know? And then what What about how many wallets? I, I got a Divi wallet and I got, you know, all these other wallets. We got the smart with the trust wallet. We got all these other things and all these other addresses all over the place. Every single ad, if you go into Bitrix and you send that you got addresses there, like, so I wonder if it's a hundred million people or addresses, because I bet I probably got, when it's all said and done, what, probably 50 different wallet addresses to different things and different assets? Mm -hmm. Like, so how are they determining that? I don't know. You have to go look at the report and, and how they did it. Meanwhile, in Europe, their European Commission is adopting digital finance packages for crypto and blockchain. They're moving towards more legal clarity and certainty. You know, long story short here, of course, you can go read the long story on the uh, the show notes, badco.in forward slash 449. But the long story short is that this is all moving forward. It is unstoppable. Bitcoin is unstoppable. This podcast is unstoppable, except if you push stop, then it stops. But we're going to keep making it anyway. So that part of it's unstoppable. Well, maybe, we, maybe, maybe we should stop. <clears throat> Stay bad. Wait, no, it's not the end. No, no, we're not done yet. That's a faux ending. That was fake news. Right we there, I was, I was being fake stoppable. Uh, Tim Draper, who was recently on an episode with us and Mr. Brock Pierce, has revealed the secrets of his altcoin portfolio. Not only does he own 30,000 Bitcoin, but he's revealed that he owns a myriad, many um, altcoins, including Bitcoin Cash, Ripple, Tezos, Aragon, 
And I'm sure there's others as well. I don't know if there's a full list, but he said, I'm a believer. I think it's happening, meaning adoption. It's coming. It's so important for the world. And I want the world to know it. And I want other people in the world to get on board. All yeah. aboard the crypto train. In 2014, he bought 30,000 Bitcoin at $632. And, you know, we're just talking about how it's worth 10500 today. That, I would say, Mr. Tim Draper, that was a pretty good choice. I think that worked out. That's why he's got like his own show. What is it like? Draper. What is the show? Meet, Hanging meet with the Drapers, Drapers or something? Meet the Drapers, right? Meet the Drapers. That's right. Meet the Drapers. Yeah. We actually didn't talk about that. We were so busy talking about all these other topics. We didn't even talk about Meet the Drapers. It's like, don't hit me. It's not Beat the Drapers. <laughs> hey, somebody closed the Drapers. Sunny in here. There are others that are pursuing altcoins. Some say it's altcoin season, you know, because Bitcoin has kind of been hovering between 10,000 and 11,000. And there are others that are chasing DeFi tokens. DeFi is super hot right now. Being your own bank, decentralized finance. In fact, I think we've got another interview coming up pretty soon. We, we talked to so many people. It's hard for me to remember. Yeah, there's one. There's one coming. I don't remember exactly who we chatted with, but it's um, it's going to be good. And and what's interesting about this is like once you really figure out what DeFi is, it's like basically you lock up your own crypto that unlocks this other crypto that you then get to use to sell to then you know pay get your loan to pay your money or whatever, and then whenever you want, you can then pay back that money you borrowed through that other crypto and then you get to unlock your crypto you put in and so you don't have to sell your bitcoin or you don't have to sell your ethereum what you do is you put it in one of these contracts through these uh, DeFi things and you're actually able to borrow money and then and then like what what they think is going to happen is well, like keep your bitcoin because eventually it's going to be worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and so now it's worth ten thousand or whatever and so maybe you borrow five thousand you borrow half a bitcoin worth but then you pay back that 5000 back whenever you want, and then now you have access to that later gain on top. So the only time you would lose in a DeFi thing is if crypto tank big time. Ms. Travis Wright, do you remember having Didi Tahutu on the show? Who? Didi. Didi's the guy who sold everything for Bitcoin and, um, and then went on the road with his family. He was on episode number 265, badco.in forward slash 265 yes i remember him he's a good dude uh yeah the, yeah they sold everything how, how do you convince you know what you know that is a pretty interesting thing to the early 2017 <clears throat> he convinces his wife and family to sell all their shit and buy bitcoin like that in itself like that I, that story that episode that joel just told you that's a timeless one there's that's an evergreen piece of content just to hear that story because how does one convince their wife to sell everything they own and buy digital money? How does that? Like magical. Internet. Money. Money. Let's sell everything and buy that. He thought and he'd he be a multimillionaire <laughs> by 2020 and they've traveled to 40 countries. He's great to follow on the social medias and this article here in decrypt.co catches up with him but uh he says you know life on the road is not a bad thing you know he's got his wife he's got his kids and uh there's definitely an airbnb anywhere like literally i was like looking at this like the price to get it i was like all right i'm gonna go to ukraine for business and hang out for a month and i was like man to rent a home in one like a decent kick-ass place like 900 bucks 
Like, are you serious? That's going to be like for 900 bucks. That would be like what you would spend on like nine days at a hotel. Right. So it's like Airbnb, a place to live. Dude, and there's there's all kinds of places by the like the big C. I I I can't even believe how low the prices were. It's amazing. They they give their kids a Bitcoin allowance. They teach them how to use ATMs. Uh, he trades every day, not just Bitcoin, but he holds Ethereum and Litecoin. He's invested in DOT and a bunch of others here. This is a pretty lengthy article. If you want to see the story, pictures, and some of their videos as they travel around the world, this is uh, definitely one worthy of reading Didi's a good guy yeah i like that guy funny guy very full of cheer and full of wisdom and obviously very persuasive to convince his wife and family hey we're gonna sell everything hey no put down your ds switch no put it down we are gonna sell it and buy bitcoin take it with you i don't think they made the kids sell the switch no no sell everything get rid of your underwear we're going naked nice you know we were just talking about DeFi, and in fact today Um, Even though we're recording on Wednesday, we're from the future. So today you're listening to this could be Thursday. Wax uh, released their DeFi plan and um, and it's badass. You want to go and check out their tweets uh, at Wax underscore IO. It will link you to the DeFi plan. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, this is a token, uh, Wax P, that has been around, you know, for a couple of years now after they left Ethereum, swapped from Ethereum, forked from EOS. It's built on EOS IO. It's our home of choice for all of our NFTs because it's so stinking fast and works so incredibly well. Um, so you guys need to check out the DeFi plans. Actually, not going to say any details here, even though we're assuming they share the plans today, just in case they change anything. I don't want to be on the record of having spoiled anything. What's right. a waxiness? Yeah. So sexy, waxy. Speaking of wax, Travis Wright, the Nifty Box, uh, the sale went off without a hitch. Launched on wax, we have released the first wax-based NFT, non-fungible token, digital collectible subscription box. We've got kings and we've got stars. Uh, as of right now, the kings are just about sold out. They probably will be by the time you hear this. But in case they aren't, go to thenifteybox.com and you should be able to still purchase a star subscription because we offered 250 of those, but there's only 100 king subscriptions. And on the first, we're going to start dropping exclusive nfts to our members we're gonna make it rain nfts that you can expect you know them coming every week you're gonna get an nft of some kind uh, uh, you know something based around a blockchain card uh perhaps blockchain heroes a digital collectible a piece of art whatever we send you it's going to be exclusive and and the nifty box is the only place to get it i would say this i was just thinking mr joe Com. Uh, because today Tops released their Garbage Pail Kids Series Two, and they had some they had some glitch issues with their payment processor Stripe not allowing the the payments to go through, and uh, that 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 did a delay, and, uh, and so like most everyone, including Blockchain Heroes, there's been some issue with the launch with technology, always a different issue. They've never been the same because they're all getting fixed. But I think Mr. Joe Comp. The Nifty Box one that we released, that launch on Wax without a hitch. No hitches. No hitches at all. Well, I think it went smoothly the way we launched that thing. 
Yeah, no, it works claim, great. Those claim versions, those claim card things that you're setting up on the back end. Mr. Joe Combs learned how to be like a super smart contract guy, building all kinds of cool stuff with the NFT. So whenever those NFTs are being dropped, you know, Mr. Joe Combs had his hand in the code to ensure that you get it. Yep, that's what we're doing. I'm having fun right. with it. I mean, honestly, I feel like uh, it's almost like Legos because you're building stuff, you know, you're creating something. And I love learning how to do it and mastering it. And once mm-hmm. you've got it down, it's like, oh, I know how to do this now. And each time you do it, it gets easier. And then new tools come around. We have tools now, Travis, thanks to the folks at Bounty Block that will allow us to drop to wallets that have our membership card in them. People are buying yep. memberships and they're like, well, h- how will you know to send me NFTs? Because we have this tool that basically searches for that card, gives me a list of wallets. And then I say, okay, drop this NFT to those wallets. It's so cool. Yeah. And they're only getting better. We had a great call with those guys over Bounty Block and they're doing all kinds of cool stuff. So we uh, big shout out to them. Much love to those Mr. Travis Wright, while that's it for our news, we have a really great interview as a bonus here. This is a crypto spotlight that we want to share with you with uh, Ido Sade. He is the founder and chairman of the board with Sogur. And these guys have a solution for stable coins Mm. that I have not seen presented like this before. This is a interview. And uh, we we are, were, we did, we have been compensated for it, but we have vetted this project. We think this is super cool and we want you guys to check it out now and we'll see you on the other side. With so many stable coins that are now surfacing in the market, it's hard to determine what the difference is between them and which ones are going to work most effectively. We have with us now a gentleman named Ido Sade. He is the founder and chairman of the board with Sagar, and they have created a currency that appreciates in direct relation to the site of both its economy and its community and does so using a unique algorithm so we're going to go down the rabbit hole and Ido, welcome to bad crypto hello joel thank you for having me you could say hi to travis too hello travis hello hello i just want to say i know this project is going to be awesome because you have an umlaut over the o (laughs) (laughs) big fan of that i can just tell this is going to moon just by that I would like to see the science on that, Travis. I mean, wouldn't that be funny if there was actually a case study that you can demonstrate that coins with umlauts are more likely? (laughs) I don't know know that I've ever seen another coin that has an umlaut. So so actually, we are a three-years-old project, and the name was, up until two weeks ago, Saga. Uh, And we had to rebrand because when we moved from Switzerland to the UK, there is another Saga in the UK. Uh, that does tourism for the third age, um, and Saga. We chose Saga because it's the the name of the Greek uh, of the Norse mytho- mythology, and we wanted yes. to to stay in the neighborhood. And Sogur is actually the plural for Saga, so the the umlaut came without us uh, inviting it. <laughs> Those uninvited umlauts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they always show up at the worst time, crash the party. <laughs> All right, so so you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just give us a really quick Reader's Digest summary of your background, and then uh, tell us why we need this crypto. Sure. In the past fifteen years, I've been leading startups, uh, both in the B two B and consumer 
domains. Before and I was a happy jazz musician living in Paris. And about three years ago, I, uh, I decided to leave everything I'm doing and to go back to the academia to study political science. And on my way there, um, I was leaving a, a VC that I was a part of, and I suggested to take an analyst with me and write a thesis about investing in blockchain. This was early 2017. And it took me about two weeks to realize that I'm not going anywhere and that any intellectual stimulus I was uh, lacking, uh, I'm, I, I'll find it here. Uh, and this is what really gave birth to, to then Saga, today Sogar. The problem that we are aiming to solve is to create a currency that is a complementary global currency that is not tied to the monetary policy of any specific nation state. The reality of our economies uh, is that price discovery is no longer only national. If you're a, a British uh, uh, citizen and you've seen the pound decrease by about 25% in the past three years because of Brexit, uh, it doesn't mean that the prices on Amazon have decreased uh, by the same ratio, simply because Her Majesty's Parliament took a decision. And, and we sorely lack this com complement of a store of value and medium of exchange to interact globally. And this is what Saga aims to uh, aims to solve. So uh, I'm looking at the website, sogur.com, S-O-G-U-R.com. And it talks about some of the building blocks of Sogur, uh, some of the risk-reward ratio, how it's built to grow, and some of the governance as a standard. So which one of those areas is, is um, you know, do you think is, is most unique that you'd like to talk about? I think that they are all unique and they're all a part of, of the same uh, offering. The first one is that uh, the, the sovereigns of the currency are the holders of the currency. Even when we rebranded from Saga to Sogar, uh, it was up to a vote of the holders of the currency, mm -hmm. um, an on-chain vote. And I think that this pillar of governance... Uh, making sure that whatever uh, uh, parts in our project that are centralized are still subject to votes by uh, by, the, by the public uh, and by the holders of the currency is extremely important. On on the monetary front, uh, building a currency is is a complicated endeavor. Building it not uh, without having to to endure vol volatility, extreme volatility, mm -hmm. um, is even harder, as, as we're seeing in, in, in our market for a long time. And, and therefore, the monetary model that we've uh, implemented makes Saga a bridge between a stablecoin and a cryptocurrency and a commodity. Uh, we do so by implementing a model called the bonding curve. It is actually a protocol that determines the price of uh, uh, Sogar, of SGR, the token, uh, by the number of uh, circulating supply, of circulating tokens. And this circulating uh, number of circulating supply is determined only by the market. So when you buy SGR from the contract, from the smart contract, it is created. When you sell it to the contract, it is being burned. And the number of SGR is constantly floating and the market determines it. This is the first time I've heard the term bonding curve. Are there any other coins out there that we would know that have a similar method? So the, the bonding curve uh, mechanism was invented a long time ago. Um, there are, it, is a, it is an Ethereum term. Uh, there are equivalent in, in the traditional world. A, a complete bonding curve, as uh, we've implemented in Sogar, is quite novel. But to some extent, even Uniswap is a sort of a bonding curve. 
I mean, I, I was invented a long time ago too, but that's not, you know, there's no excuse for, <laughs> I don't know. That joke was going to go somewhere and it ended up going nowhere, but that's okay. You know, you take risks. It's that's like true. You're, you're a musician and, and sometimes, you know, you start playing a direction and you're like, I don't know where this is going and ends up just trailing off and you hand it over to uh, the saxophonist. Yeah. And you just crash and burn as you just keep dragging it on. It's great. <laughs> Hey, uh, so so I see right now that right now the the price of Soger is a dollar forty right now, and I saw also that's like like one point something million market cap. So as that market cap grows, will the price grow? Or since it's a stable coin, it's always going to stay around a dollar forty. So it's a dollar forty because the basket um, of collateral of Saga is the SDR. It is a basket that is issued by the IMF that is determined by the, the International Monetary Fund, and it contains the five most traded currencies in the world, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the Chinese yuan, and the, and the pound. Uh, mm. And so at this stage, when Saga is 100% collateralized, uh, the collateral is held in the composition of the SDR. And this composition of the SDR is worth $1.42 or 41. It changes when the currency exchange rate changes. As the market cap increases, meaning more people are joining the project, then the bonding curve element comes into play, meaning that the reserve ratio decreases gradually and the price of Saga appreciates. Again, gradually. The, the entire model is aimed towards taming volatility on the upside and on the, the, the downside. We're not alchemists and the, the, there is no magic into that. When you tame volatility, it goes both ways. What's interesting to me here is that is a, the reason it's stable is you can depend on the value of the coin increasing as the economy of it and the the community grows. That right. so it's a, it's a it's an upward stable curve. That's the stability part of it. Not that it's always going to stay the same, but that you you can count on the appreciation as the coin has adoption. It is predictable in the sense that uh, if you know what would be the circulating supply or the market cap, the contract will tell you what would be the price in which Saga would be bought and sold by the contract. So it that, that's interesting. Is there, is there like a chart that would actually show? Yes. Uh, is that somewhere on the site where you can see once circulation reaches X amount, this is the expected price? Yes, you, can, you, you, you actually have a, um, um, an interactive simulator. On the, on the site, uh, and under the resources tab, you have an extensive monetary model uh, that describes the math, the, the math be, behind the model, uh, as well as, as the entirety of the spectrum of the chart. Where, where on the site do I find the ability to see the charts? Oh, I see right there. It's under the uh, resources. Yeah. Uh, actually, you go to sauger.com forward slash monetary. Right. So right now it's a dollar forty, but as the market cap gets the market cap gets up to like ten million, it's going to be like a dollar sixty-eight. If it gets to a hundred million, it's going to be around two eighty. If it gets around one billion, it'll be over five dollars. As it just keeps growing, the, the 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 price grows. It looks like once it hits one trillion, Soger price will be around four hundred bucks. Right. Um, we should also mention the the other way around when the economy shrinks the reserve ratio goes back up uh, and the price goes back down. So uh, the movement it, it, on, it, on this it, curve it is, uh, is bi-directional. Uh -huh. 
So it's so this SDR that you're talking about. That's that is a, a basket of currencies. That's why you're pulling it. Now I think this is genius because a lot of stable coins are say, oh, it's pegged to the dollar. Oh, it's pegged to the euro. Oh, it's pegged to the yen or it's pegged to the yuan. This right here is pegged to the euro, the Great Britain pound, the yen, the remnity, the SDR, and the USD. So you're taking all those into consideration. And so if the price of all the, like if so if the currency goes crazy, let me ask this. Let's say one of those currencies or multiple of those currencies crash. And like, and now $1, it takes it takes $1,000 to buy a loaf of bread or something, right? So let's say worst case scenario, maybe even worse. Yep. And then what happens to the what happens to Sogar then? So the way our global monetary system works is that the value of currencies is measured against each other. So the SDR is an anti-correlated basket of, of currencies. For the dollar price to go down, it means that the euro or the yuan or the pound or the yen needs to go up in, in relation to it. And this is why we've chosen a, a basket. Uh, the SDR, by the way, was invented in 1969, and it was invented for central banks to hold their reserve mm. um, after the gold shock, the first gold shock, uh, mm. and to diversify their holdings. So we, we are picking on an instrument that have been heavily trialed to offset the, the, the loss of value uh, because of uh, foreign exchange um, price fluctuations. Uh, as you know, I'm looking at the site here and we get ready to close out. You've got a pretty significant team here and a um, an advisory council that's full of luminaries. This is this, you know, you guys are really serious about this, obviously. Do you want to speak to the team that you've put together? Of course, I'd be happy to. Um, very early on, we realized that we're a team that is forged out of technology experts and engineers but we have no clue in regards to monetary policy. And the fact that we have a lot of criticism as to the global traditional monetary um, practices, especially in the last year, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't have anything to learn from them. And very early on, we started looking for advice and looking for people that would challenge our bonding curve model. Um, and first joined Barry Taff, who was the head of markets operation in the Bank of Israel. Uh, he joined as an advisor, but very early on became our chief economist. And when Barry joined, uh, he said that he wanted to have a, a team of sounding boards, a team that will attack our models. Uh, and so first joined uh, Professor Jacob Frankel, who was the governor of the Bank of Israel and the chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase International. Uh, and and uh, soon thereafter followed uh, Professor Myron Scholes, who I believe doesn't need introduction. Uh, we are all using the Black and Scholes um, derivative model for which uh, Professor Schultz uh, received the Nobel Prize. Fascinating stuff. Now, if you want, I'd like to hear before we before we close this out how the voting works on this because you're you're you were talking about that early on, even before you changed the name. You had uh, you you had your uh, demo economy voting mechanism that you have on, on the site. Talk about that real quick because I think that's that's unique. Sure. So the demo economy mechanism is really combining stake and identity. Um, Voting by stake has a lot of problems. First of all, it is uh, fragile in regards to hostile takeovers. Uh, if someone wants to pass an important vote, they will buy a lot of SGRs simply to buy voting power um, and annihilate the power of, of other participants in the system. What the uh, um, the Democonomy voting does 
is constantly check the imparity or the parity of holdings between uh, the different holders. If disparity is, um, is high, then it is a voting by stake. But as disparities are appearing, uh, we lean towards voting by identity. Um, we've used, we didn't invent this uh, method. We actually used the Gini index, the index that everyone uses to measure imparity in, in societies and transformed it from a passive index of measuring imparity into an active index of determining the voting power according to this uh, imparity. And this means that if there are 1 million people holding 100 SGRs each and comes a whale and buys 3 billion SGRs, uh, the, the imparity index, the democonomy uh, coefficient will go up, meaning that those 3 billion uh, uh, SGRs that this whale bought would not give three billions uh, in voting power, yeah. uh, but rather lean towards uh, lean towards identity. The website Sagar S O G U R dot com. Uh, Ida, what action would you like people to take when they come to the site and learn more? So I, I think that the first thing is to learn more. I invite everyone to join our Telegram group, the Sagar Currency, and our social channels, and to visit our blog and subscribe to the newsletter. We are producing quite a lot of uh, educational content uh, about Sogar, but also about uh, monetary uh, policy issues that I know that are very interesting to people uh, in, in the crypto um, industry. Yeah, that, that, these are the main call for actions. That's great. Well, we wish you the best and we'll be keeping our eye on the saga of Sogar. <laughs> Thank you very much, Joel and Travis. It was a pleasure. So there you go. Interesting idea from the folks at Sogar. And we're going to keep an eye on this. Would love to see this product come to uh, this project come to fruition with the vision that they have where the um, the value of the stable coin increases with the use of the coin. Yeah. And that's Sogar, S-O-G-U-R dot com. Every time I look at it, it's like it's um did they say it's Icelandic for a saga? Is that what that, what that was? Like that, yeah. Norwegian? Yeah. But it looks was, like sugar to me. It's like, give me some sugar. Sugar. Uh, 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 uh. Oh. Travis, Travis. Here's a review, Travis, from uh -oh. iTunes. Five stars from Dutch Ladle wrote, okay, bad crypto podcast is catchier, more marketable, but bad blockchain podcast is more accurate. I appreciate the balance of topics between crypto payment systems, the blockchains they run on, other blockchain use cases, and all of that vis-a-vis -vis their terrestrial monetary, economic, and technological counterparts, all the while joking around and having a great time as well. Hey, if we weren't having fun, then, you know, you're probably not having fun. That's true. You know what? A lot of our, I, I, we write no jokes ahead of time. Like, so like every time that we're funny, it's, it's spontaneous. It's instantaneous spontaneity of wittery. Or like, oh, you guys got no joke writers? No kidding. Some of our jokes are just like, oh, you know, hopefully Aaron edits that one. Hmm. That's up to her. So, Aaron, you might want to. I think she likes to leave the bad jokes in just because it makes her chuckle. And she's like, oh, man, that was a really bad joke. We better leave that in. For sure. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Would love your review on iTunes, wherever you listen. By the way, we're also on Amazon Podcast right now. We just keep uh, growing and spreading the word like a fungus. We're, we used to be non fungusable. Now we're totally fungible. 
And speaking of bad jokes, I better say stay bad now because it's just going to get worse. The fungible joke. The fungible joke. So stay bad. Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.